Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another fun-filled episode of V Brownback. Uh, tonight we are in the third episode, third, third and final episode of the Home. Oh, there's series. one more. Oh, I lied. The the three of four. Thank you, Britton. Yeah. Three of four of of the, our Home Lab series, and uh, tonight I am very excited to have the man, the myth, the legend, VCIXNV. Twitter handle written Johnson. <laughs> Look, it's right there. It's amazing. Yeah. How he got no it. pressure. It's so cool. A um, couple of quick notes. Uh, please feel free to get in on the conversation. I will be monitoring uh, the at v brown bag Twitter handle and the hashtag v brown bag. So make fun of us. Throw tomatoes. Um, have and uh, we will have some fun listening to how do you pronounce it? Nook, nuke, knock. Uh, is there an umlaut? We don't know. Britain's going to set us straight. Um, my name's Chris. I'm 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 Mistwire. If if you want to make fun of me personally, you can. You're more than welcome to do that on Twitter too. So, without any further ado, make presenter. Shablam. All right, let me get going here and grab the right screen. Yes. All right. Do you have it? I have the agenda. All right. So. Whenever I watch these kind of presentations, I always see the presenter's agenda, and I think, man, that's so boring. So what did, this what did is... Cody do? What did, what did Cody do to say thank you for? <laughs> we oh, make fun of him now. <laughs> yeah. So Cody, uh, Co the, the, this whole V Brown Bag series on Home Labs was sort of the brainchild of Cody Diarkland and myself. Hmm. Um, I did so not we, know that. Nice. We were talking back and forth on Twitter about some stuff and. We, you know, we just sort of said, hey, you know, we should, you know, get online and broadcast, you know, our labs and talk about stuff. And Cody's like, well, hey, that'd be a great thing for V, v Brown Bag. And he brought in, you know, uh, Jonathan Frappier and all those guys. And I don't know if I said his name right just now. But... Frapp Attack? Yeah, that's close enough. All right. And, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so Nobody thanks to... Not even him. <laughs> so thanks to the really tall guy, Cody D'Arkland, um, for pulling me in and getting this thing going. It's been a, an exciting series to watch and I'm excited to be a part of it. So so that's my agenda slide. I'm gonna show you stuff and then hopefully nothing breaks. But you know, I, I was telling a friend before we started, I, uh, I half broke my NSX implementation yesterday. So hopefully it's half fixed when I go, as I go through this. Pressure. Um, so I am Britton Johnson. I am a independent IT consultant, which means I work for my clients, not necessarily for myself. Um, I spent the first 16 years of my career supporting small and medium-sized companies internally and went out on my own full-time in 2017 um, with, with the general goal to, you know, help companies solve their IT problems that maybe they don't have the staff internally to solve themselves. And so, you know, I can come in and be an expert in an area they may not have staff to fill up. So small enterprise is sort of my niche. Um, and, you know, and I hate, I, I, I hate IT waste when I see companies buying things that they necessarily don't need, or maybe they bought the wrong thing when they should have got something else. And so I try to help small companies who don't have their feet in all kinds of different areas of expertise to find the right thing. So in a nutshell, that's what I do. Um, and I've got a bunch of letters after my name as well. So. <laughs> Okay, so I'll go through a few slides here, and then I'll, I'll try a, try some demo stuff here, and we'll see kind of how things go. Um, 
home lab or a cloud lab. So I, I initially had just, just a straight up home lab with a bunch of, you know, old HP servers. And eventually I thought, hey, you know, why not do both? Um, and so, so that's sort of where it went. And I, uh, I wanted to kind of do as much stuff in, you know, like, uh, VMware on AWS when that was released. And so I started looking into that, um, you know, but the vSphere on AWS is, it's, it's sort of the, the, the unicorn, I think of IT. I mean, everybody wants it, but nobody can afford it. Um, especially in the small side, you know, if you're, you know, a billion dollar company, it's a no brainer to go for it. But um, for, for, for companies who have, you know, three or four hosts, you know, a little, little bit of an overkill for a home lab, it's even more overkill. Um, but I kind of wanted to try to replicate some of this stuff, you know, in a lab. And, you know, the, if, if you haven't ever seen the numbers for VMware cloud on AWS, it's staggering. Um, I don't know if this has been updated since I pulled this in, into last year, but uh it's it's not entirely cheap to just you know throw it all out in the cloud um but you know so i started developing a plan then for what i like to refer to as the super hybrid home lab um which is an overly hyped name to make it sound cooler than it really is <laughs> but i like it um so after being disappointed not being able to use vmware on aws because it costs almost as much as my house um I uh, started building out the on-prem side again of what would be this new lab. Um, the goals, when I went into this, I wanted to do a full vSphere deployment on-prem and in the cloud, have it all networked together with NSX because what else would I use? And, you know, I wanted to be able to use some legacy hardware, keep things cheap, and a couple nice to have things in there for, you know, some public routable IPs, um, building, two-factor authentication because anytime you're going to outside of your home, it's probably a good idea to have some extra security. Just, you know, something to keep in mind. Um, and then if I can get there, layer two VPN, which that's part of what broke. So hopefully, so hopefully that works. Uh, some history on this though, I, I, I had to just kind of rebuild things a little bit, but so this is initially what I had a bunch of servers sitting on this r really cheap, rickety old Ikea shelf <laughs> in my basement. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I think we all started there. I, I, <laughs> I bought two by fours and, uh, and glommed yeah. them together for my first one. Oh, just, just you wait. Um, and well, so I had more. a, yeah, I had a couple of, of old HP G5 servers sitting on this thing. And then I also had a couple more sitting on an old music stand that I have in the basement. I don't know why I have a music stand because I don't play any instruments, but I do for some reason. Um, and then as I was kind of tearing this apart to rebuild it into a different form, I discovered by accident that the music stand server stand um, was actually load bearing and keeping the Ikea shelf from falling over. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, that's a good thing I'm rebuilding this. Um, so enter what I now refer to as the Cull Lumber Rack. Um, anybody who's a fan of Home Depot knows that you can find good stuff in the Cull Lumber bin. Um, so, you know, I have some spare parts laying around the basement from some home improvement projects and just cobbled this together. And I actually really like it because it's extraordinarily functional. Um, 
that looks it's very familiar. It's, <laughs> That's it's amazing. Ba <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a bunch of two by fours. Some are green treated, some are not. Um, I rebuilt my deck last summer, so there, so that's some leftover parts from that. Um, and you know, just kind of threw things together just to sort of get things working. And uh, you know, this this won't fall over on me, which is nice. So. If I show this to my wife, she'd be like, oh, my God, he built the same thing you did. I'm having flashbacks. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, and, like, I, I, I wanted to, to just build something that was, you know. It, 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 it works. Sturdy. It's amazingly well. Yeah, it's they're fantastic. It's sturdy. Yeah, it's sturdy. It's functional. It could light on fire if it gets overheated. I mean, what, what could go wrong? Yeah, you can't move it for shit, but it's it's great. No, <laughs> I mean, and you know the uh, that that spot where it sits on the basement floor there, um, I had some water leaking through a oh, through an old basement window mm. above that, that for the last few years, which I finally got cleared up. So uh, the most important thing to me was having stuff a few inches off the ground in case it does actually decide to leak again, mm. and you know. And, and of course, it's not level at all because there's you know these giant cracks in my basement floor, and so the, so the rack itself isn't level because the floor's not level. Details, and, you know, just yeah, exactly. I don't know how long I'll use this thing, but knowing me, it'll probably be a few more years before I redo this, and or I'll just have everything in the cloud by then. We'll see. Um, so my on-prem list, um, I started off with probably the and probably one of the more important pieces of this whole build. Um, was buying a uh, Fortinet 60D firewall for my home firewall. Um, I became a, a fan of Fortinet at, at my last day job. They had them, um, and I really like the way they work and how you know they don't force you to do everything in command line. And um, you know everybody's kind of got their their uh, what they like for firewalls. And if and when it comes to hardware firewalls, I you know I tend to fall inside of Fortinet because they generally just work well and they're not overly expensive. Um, I actually found this thing at a deal at 350 bucks online um, with three years of services from them. So um, I kind of got, got lucky with finding this one. And of course, you know, the typical home network switch of Ubiquiti's edge switch. I mean, the Ubiquiti stuff, you really can't beat it pound for pound, dollar for dollar. Their stuff is just unbelievably functional. Um, before I got the Fortinet, I was using a Ubiquiti uh, uh, Unify Security Gateway, the USG firewall. Um, but for some of the advanced kind of uh, IP, I know, IPsec tunnels and some of the other things I was trying to do with it, it just wasn't cutting it, so I had to upgrade to the Fortinet. Um, so then the main host there was uh, an HP DL3D Gen 9 that I bought. Um, this is probably the biggest expense in the whole build. And, you know, I found it also on a deal online for 1500 bucks and I put some RAM in it, put some old hard drives in it. Um, you know, thankfully HP still lets you use, you know, non HP drives. Um, it'll complain about it, but it will, they, they do work. Um, and then, yeah, I still have that old DL360 G5, and man, you can still get some good use out of these G5s, even in vSphere 6.0. So until 6.0 stops working, um, you can still use them. Nice. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to milk this thing for everything I can. Um, I'm going to have to replace it probably next, and I think when I do, it'll probably just be with another cloud host. Um, and hmm. then, you know, and we'll get you know, we'll get to that later, but, um, so, so I have real, sort of real quick, 
real quick, we yeah. have a couple. Of, we have a couple of um, comments from from uh, everybody that's that's watching. Um, sure. Craig Herring has has posted a uh, a link. Um, so I've, I've posted that in the chat channel for a 42U rack for 269 bucks. So oh, wow. I, I posted that in there. Uh, it doesn't have any walls on it or anything, but it does have casters and uh, and bracers on the bottom of it. That's actually a fantastic deal. So I posted like the links from hmm? who. It's um, StarTech, StarTech.com, oh, 42U adjustable depth open frame. Oh, okay, one of, one of those, yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see. Um, Charles, uh, Graham Mitchell is talking about his nuts again. Oh, no, excuse me. He's, he's, he's talking about <laughs> cage nuts. Okay, whatever. It's just Graham. <laughs> and he's got pics. We don't want to see pics. Um, don't HP block. Uh, oh, and and uh, Charles Adams uh, got a 4860E for his home lab. Also installed heavy duty wheel casters move around. So every everybody that's watching has got like ridiculously jacked up home labs. Uh, this, yeah. this is awesome. So so uh, yeah. we've, we're, so we're making to the right audience here. They're they're putting me to shame, is what they're no, doing. No, but. no, no, not at all. No, this is this dude. Dude, if, if I had a Gen 9, are you kidding me? No. Yeah. Um, no. Oh, and, and yeah, he's and, got one of the StarTex too. He says he likes it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's one of those things. Like, yeah, I might, I might do it, but I like, I, I still like sort of the rugged, you know, Tim the Toolman Taylor factor oh, of totally. building it yourself. You know, so. I, I had mine for years. I, I absolutely love that thing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, the I have a lot of onboard storage on both of the servers, just because I'm a fan of onboard storage. Um, but I also picked up a Synology NAS, um, cheap that I found somewhere and. Um, so I use that for when I need iSCSI storage to float between hosts. And I actually just added an Intel Nuke. I'm going to say it's pronounced Nuke, just for fun. <laughs> um, and it's only one of the ones that can take 16 gigs of RAM. I know there's somebody, there is a manufacturer I found out there that makes apparently uh, 16 gig, two, you can get two 16 gig RAM chips that work in certain versions of the Nuke. Right. Um, that will fake it out and give it 32 gigs, but your That's mileage may vary. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but that was almost going to be the same cost as the device itself, the box itself. So I was like, eh, I don't need it that. I don't need the RAM that badly. Hmm. And I, and I, and I kind of just added that just to see how well it would work. Uh, right now, the only thing I have running on it is NSX Manager. Um, but, you know, it runs. Um, so, and I had a, you know, a couple of old Belkin UPSs laying around that had dead batteries in them. I put new batteries in and, you know, thanks to Amazon.com, we're relatively safe in case the power decides to go out. So side note about power, um, this thing is sitting right next to my main power panel for the house in my basement. And I was down here last night working and all of a sudden my, the, I could hear something buzzing inside of the fuse box. And I'm like, well, that's not right. Um, <laughs> And then I discovered this morning when I went to try to go somewhere that all of the power in my garage was out. So somehow or another, some squirrel or something chewed them up outside power lines and tripped the breaker on oh. my garage. <laughs> so, so be careful where you put your server rack in your basement because if the power panel blows up, you know, mm-hmm. could have could have some problems. So, so that's sort of how I how I built things on prem, and you know, I've got. For VMs on there, I mean, I've got a whole giant list of stuff. Um, but you know, the the thing that we're all trying to get to here is the SDDC, the Software Defined Data Center, and 
you know, my wife built this graphic for me because, you know, it's, sure, it's really? our oh, nice. yeah, it, it's our hope of someday never again having to worry about hardware and <laughs> everything is software defined. And it's just this long off sought thing that nobody wants to ever have to deal with this stuff again. But, you know, it's, you know, for some of us who were there and, you know, I'm, I'm a little jealous that you're somewhat there, Chris. With AWS, I dream, I dream of a time when everything's CloudFormation templates. Yeah, <laughs> um, and and it's but but for those with a tight budget, you know, it's it's hard to get there. So we have to still oh, build totally. stuff ourselves. You know, yeah, absolutely. So so the cloud list. So as I started kind of figuring out, you know, okay, I want to plug this thing into cloud services. How can I do that? Um, you know, it's I, I went kind of on a search for the last kind of couple of years, and I could never really find something that would work well. And of course, everybody's seen, you know, the myriad of cloud hosts and services and things that are out there. And um, all of them, I would say just about all of them, save for one, are built and priced for um, large enterprises, really. Um, I mean, you, you can get away with doing some stuff on a budget on Azure and the free tier and Amazon on the free tier, but you're going to hit the ceiling of the free tier pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, but you it's, it's good for learning stuff, especially if you're just standing up networks and, you know, doing some basic things that don't take a lot of compute power. Um, but, you know, as I was, as I went, I went to VMworld last year and started walking around and found this company, OVH, right in the middle of the show floor of VMworld. And I'm like, who are these guys? <laughs> um, never heard of them before and come to find out they're like the Amazon Web Services of Europe. Um, and they're, you know, really big in France and they've got stuff all over the place. So I, I looked them up right after I got back from VMworld and I stood up. Um, right after VMworld, I went on a vacation with the family, you know, for that weekend up north in the north woods of Wisconsin. So there's like no cellular coverage up in the north woods of Wisconsin. But in the north woods, from my phone, I ordered, provisioned, and built a ESXi host in France. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, as I did this, I'm just like, okay, this is a game changer because, like, you can do this now, and it and um and what was really mostly shocking to me was, it didn't cost that much. Um, so the first host I bought from them was, um, a 64 gig host. It's got a Intel Xeon D, which is a lightweight processor, but, you know, if you're doing lightweight stuff, it's not that big of a deal, and storage is usually the bottleneck anyways. But you know, then that's that's pretty light on here as well. But I mean you get what you pay for with their stuff. And if you want higher performing stuff, you can buy it. Um, but if for, for labs, especially, you know, if, if you're, if, if it's down to buying a $2,000 server or spending, you know, 75, 80, hundred bucks a month, especially if you only need it for a short period of time, then these guys start to look like a really good option. Is that a dedicated um, host or is that a virtual host? It's a dedicated host. It is your box. Wow. And, you know, like most of the ones that I've been playing with from them are hosted out of their, uh, I believe it's pronounced Boherinois, Canada. Gesundheit. Um, yeah, thank you. And, um, like, this was the price that it was back last November. Um, it is, their pricing has gone up 
since then, as things naturally do. And um, OVH but, is the company that bought vCloud Air, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. Um, and they're, you know, because of that, they are launching into the United States with a vengeance. Um, they just opened up their uh, Vint Hill, Virginia data center, and uh, they have um, a, uh, if I can bring this over here, I just found this just before the show. So a little small promotion for OVH who I do not work for. Um, they have a, their US East data center. They have a two day promotional price where you can buy a host from them for 70 bucks a month right now. Um, you know, it's good through the, for the 23rd. And uh, so I, I actually just bought one just before the show just to have it just because um, I think it, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to end up adding one and I might, I might keep it for a while. I might not, we'll see. Um, but you know, I've just been, as I've been sort of building stuff with their products, you know, I've, I've been just more and more and more impressed with how well it works, um, and how fast things are and what you can all do with it. Um, so the cloud list again, you know, I've got the Fortinet connecting everything together. Um, I have the one. I, I at one point I had three OVH hosts, and I was linking all their stuff on their internal VRAC thing. You can actually link hosts together between their data centers on their service called VRAC, and it's gigabit between those, the data centers. Um, so you could have a host in Canada, you could have a host in France, you could have oh, eventually the one they get the U.S. one fully online. You can hook that up, and it's all internal. None of that traffic goes out over the web. It's just internal traffic between their hosts and the data center. Nice. Um, so you can kind of build your own cluster of servers um, running VMware in their in their data center for all intents and purposes. Hmm. Um, so then, yeah, I've got Azure running a single Windows instance. I've got my, you know, private uh, 3CX IP PBX VM running up there, which is my phone just for my office and for my business. Um, and then, you know, I run that on my partner credits from Microsoft. And then Ravello, I'm waiting to hear back from them on getting my vExpert credits added. Um, I had tried, did a trial with them a while back, and so I'm, I'm waiting to get that turned on. As soon as I get my Ravello vExpert thing turned on, I'll start to add that in as well. Nice. So I'm, 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 I'm gonna. I'm, the goal was really at, at some point. Like I wanted to build. I wanted to bundle on AWS. I wanted to bundle on Azure. I want to bundle on as much stuff as possible and just have things, you know, going all over the place. So you're gonna um, you're gonna run IPsec VPN to all of these different providers. One to OVH, correct. One to Azure. Nice. Yep. Very cool. Yep. Yep. And then, and and eventually, and I should. I I you know because of my ISP at home, you know I have to pretty much do most of those tunnels from the Fortinet. Um, I, I haven't got because like the the one Achilles heel, as far as I'm concerned, of of NSX is it doesn't accept a uh, DHCP WAN address. So I can't I can't plug my fiber from my uh, internet provider into my VMware host and have it pull an IP address. Um, so I have to run stuff through a firewall. And you now I probably could you know do some port some some fancy port forwarding and stuff. But you know I like to I like to have the edge. Um, uh, a you know, couple, right on couple the of questions from the uh, yeah. the gang. Um, the the Nuke server Nuke server the uh, what is the purpose of it for your setup? I think you said it was your NSX manager. 
That is today, um, and I'll show you that. I'll show you that once I get into the demo okay, room a little right. bit. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, um, one other question was, um, what was the uplink for the OVH dedicated servers? How many NICs? Um, so the, the 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 one that I got has two two NICs built into it. Um, that there are um, higher end servers. I think they go from two to three to four to you know a whole bunch. Um, so it just depends on which one you end up buying in their list of stuff. I mean, if you, if you, if you go to, I think it's just, if you, their websites are a little confusing right now because they're in such transition as a company from just starting up their U S business and starting up, they've got their existing worldwide business. So if you go to, if you go to ovh.ca, you'll get to the Canada, the Canadian site and you'll see a bunch of offerings there. If you go to ovh.us, you'll see a bunch of stuff there and it's, you know, it's, they're not linked up at all yet. So you're you know, like my host that I own that's in the Canada data center. I have to lo log into one control panel for that. The host that's in the U.S. data center, I have to log into a different control panel for that. So I'm hoping that it's in the future OVH will get all this stuff kind of ironed out. But I think this is just what happens when you acquire vCloud Air. Um, you I'm hoping they're going to give you some money for all this free press you're giving them. You have to eat that elephant. <laughs> yeah. So... <clears throat> I, I'm just, you know, like I said, I, I, when I found them, I just became a fan and I just, I love what you can do with it. Right. Um, so I, uh, so yeah, so I've, I've got, you know, a bunch of stuff stood up. The, the process, however, of building one of these cloud hosts with OVH is not necessarily totally straightforward. Um, because the, the way they deliver the host to you is once it's once you kind of pick it, build, pick your operating system, they send you an email when it's done with an IP address and a password, and you actually they actually put the management interface of the host on a publicly accessible IP address because how else would you get to it? Um, and so, and that publicly management that public management IP is hard locked to the uh, MAC address of the host. So you can't reuse that public IP once you get things built out. You have to buy or activate another public IP address that you can then use for all your other services. Hmm. So you have to kind of like quick log in, configure some stuff, and then eventually, you know, just to keep things secure, turn off that public management IP and, you know, lock down your host so that, you know, it's not totally exposed for too long. Um, so it's, it's one of the things where once you buy it, you want to kind of get through the process as quickly as you can to, to lessen your uh, attack vector, as the bad guys like to call it. Right. Um, so, and I, I generally, when I build stuff with them, I have, uh, you know, I log into the host, get connected, I upload a virtual firewall. Um, you know, I've, I've used the PFSense community edition. Um, I've also used the the Fortinet VM, the Forta VM, um, which is really nice for this, and because they have like a two week test trial, where you can do, use one for free. Um, and then, you know, I, I usually I'll, I'll upload and build a Windows machine right on the host, and do all the provisioning of the host from the host. Um, just kind of makes things a tad, you know, simpler when you're not doing it all off of the remote public IP. And get that, you know, IP, IPsec tunnel up or some other tunnel to the host up as quickly as you can so you can shut off the public management IP and get things moved over. Um, 
this is my second go around with building stuff on-prem and in the cloud. The first time around I did it, um, I actually built everything NSX and the whole bit uh, running on the OVH host. And then I had uh, decided to kind of, you know, run it over again. And then and the, when you're doing this kind of stuff, what I've discovered here is, you know, especially with NSX, the, the edge services gateway carry really carries its weight and then some the the you know if, if you're not overly familiar with nsx i mean a lot of people when you hear nsx all you ever hear about when people are talking about it is micro segmentation um that's the main kind of pitch that people always talk about is oh you can micro segment this you can micro segment that but you know the, the thing that doesn't get a lot of attention is you know some of the other network features and the big one is the services gateway um, I mean, this thing can pretty much literally replace a lot of, if not all of, a rack of routing hardware um, and put it all in software. It's unbelievable the amount of different options that you can do with it. It's pretty um, It really is. I mean, and I'm hopeful that they will put a little bit more development into the SSL VPN service because it works well today, but it's not great. Um, that's my one kind of knock against it, um, you know, and it's, I think it's one of the things where, where, you know, VMware knows that not a lot of people are going to use it. You know, you're limited to a certain number of users per edge. Um, and it's, you know, it, it, while it works, it, you know, it's not a very smooth um, interface to work with, but, um, and that's the, and you don't, and you'd only really use that, you know, if in an environment where you had a, a like a laptop or something that wanted to connect into your network from remotely. Excuse me. Um, so yeah, so that, you know, this, that, that's sort of kind of where I started building with stuff and I'll kind of show you where we're at here with respect to the lab. All right, so I have things kind of split out in, you know, different clusters as you will. And, you know, NSX is a, a cluster kind of based product where it only deploys to certain clusters. So if you don't want something to be covered by NSX, just don't prepare it or put it in a cluster that's not prepared for NSX. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, how, you know, they understand, you know, server virtualization, they understand all this kind of stuff. But when it comes to network virtualization, it's just like, oh, it's too scary. You know, it's, it's something for the network guys, right? Um, and it's like, you know, I was one of those server virtualization guys who was kind of scared by networking and got into this. And I'm just like, you know, this, this is really not that bad. And it's just the things you can do are just incredible. So, so I have, you know, like I said, my four hosts, my, the Nook that I have out here. Yeah, right now, pretty much the only thing I'm running on it is um, the NSX Manager appliance. Um, it runs, and it runs fairly well. I mean, it's actually only using just under eight gigs of RAM, and that, and that VM requires a full 16 gigs. Um, so... You know, it's, the, 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 I've seen other guys build the, their labs with, um, you know, multiple nooks and, you know, it's, it's one of the things where like, you know, I, I, since I, I, 
I'm going to be building a lot of stuff in here that I'm going to eventually build for customers. And so like when I did uh, a VMware Horizon deployment, I built all that in my lab and I wanted to actually have some real servers to run that off of. So that's why I mostly invested in the, the Gen 9 was so that I would have some of that, you know, extra horsepower to really see, you know, what a customer's deployment would really look like. The Verona is the Gen 9? Yeah. <clears throat> gotcha. Um, so then here's my OVH host and, you know, it's, 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 it's running pretty hot right now. Um, but in general, you know, I, I, it, it, I have no complaints with it ultimately. Um, but, uh, let me see, where should we, where shall we go? Um, you can see I've deployed a whole bunch of junk out here and most of this is all turned off or dead because it's from labs in, in ages past and I just refuse to delete things. <clears throat> Why well, I have so much storage. Because I just, you just never know, you know, when you're going to want that uh, um, remote desktop services host to come back up, you know. Um, so what I started working on, I have the, uh, the FortiGate is connected to a virtual FortiGate on the OVH host. And I wanted to get everything moved into NSX. And I had it once before, but I did it a different way and I'm trying a different way this time. Um, like I did IPsec tunnels. So I moved from an IPsec tunnel to an IPsec tunnel. And now what I'm trying to do is deploy an edge services gateway um, that lives in the on-premise lab, and then it is, and connect it with an L, with a layer two VPN tunnel to the OVH Ed services gateway, so that I can extend um, layer two VLANs, you know, from my home lab site to the OVH site, and it's uh, kind of working. What I what I uh, I haven't spent a whole haven't been able to spend a whole lot of time in it yet, so that's my that's my excuse for it not working perfectly for this demo. <laughs> but you can see, at least in here, the tunnel is up. Um, and, you know, I've got two VLANs connected across it. And, you know, and I, have, I, I can ping from one side to the other. What, uh, what I haven't done the math on yet is uh, where my default gateways need to be optimized and things of that nature. <clears throat> As I take a drink, is there any other questions popping up? Uh, let's see. Uh... Uh, comments, but no questions. All right. Um, okay. So, so that's the sort of the the, the thing that I'm tr working towards at this point. And I had, like I said, I had tr well, the the thing that I had was trying to do was convert the host management networking on the OVH host to run it over the layer two VPN. And uh, subsequently that has broken part of my um, NSX deployment. And uh, I've, I've got to dive into that to figure out what I did wrong. Because effectively, I, you know, when you have, with this OVH host, you effectively have more or less um, a host with one NIC on it. And, you know, to try to, and you, to do some of the stuff that you want to do with, with, uh, layer two VPNs, you have to use a distributed switch. And you, so you, you're kind of 
trying to fool the system into moving the one NIC into the distributed switch, which I have done, but I, you know, I'm having a hard time getting the um, VM kernel NIC interface moved from the standard switch that it's on now, which is connecting over the IPsec tunnel into the distributed switch and running over the layer two tunnel. So I, I spent about six hours on it last night, banging my head against it and um, was not successful. And I even found an article from William Lamb and from William Lamb's blog about how to do it with a nook. Um, and he got me a little bit further, but in the end, the, uh, the, the, the way that things, the way that I was trying to do things, it's just not, it's just not taking for some reason. Like I could get it moved, but then it doesn't communicate. So there's, this is just all part of having a home lab is just going through this kind of stuff and figuring out, you know, yep. how you get from A to B. And, you know, it's like at, at the end of the night, last night it was like midnight and I'm just like, you know, like I, I wanted to have a successful, you know, show and tell of how this thing works. But ultimately, you know, as I was talking to Cody um, a couple of weeks ago about this, he's just like, you know, if, if stuff doesn't even work, you know, that's something else you can talk about because, this is part of having a lab is you break stuff, you try again. And, you know, <laughs> so, it, so it's, it's, true. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny that you say that because Cody, Cody and I did a, a three parter. Well, actually it was supposed to be a two parter, but it turned into a three parter because the second part was his like live demo and the entire hour, everything went wrong and <laughs> li literally like everything he touched broke. Um, wow. so, so we did a part three where he troubleshot and I mean, he, he, he went away, figured out everything that, that hosed and then he came back and then we redid it as a re-recorded as a part three and then put all three up with, you know, lessons learned. So you're absolutely right. Having yeah. grind, grinding it out in a home lab is, is the way that a lot of us figure these things out. Um, well, a couple of questions from, from the audience. Uh, yeah. Craig wanted to know, how did you get your NSX licensing? So uh, I is am a delicate a, question. It, it's not a super <laughs> delicate question. Um, I got it because I'm a V expert. Um, so it's part of the package of being a V expert. Um, I'm, I, I, my, you know, in my, my private company business, you know, I, I am a VMware partner, but I have not been blessed with being an NSX approved partner yet. Um, so I've, I've been trying to work on getting that done, but they, uh, because I don't have another person working for me that helps me meet the requirements, they won't give it to me, which is not unfair, but still. Um, so I would, I would get. NSX licenses through that if I could meet those requirements, which I eventually will. But for, for now, I'm using um, NSX licenses from vExpert. And, you know, when I first started getting into, you know, working with NSX, even just as a customer um, for, a, you know, my employer at the time, um, you know, I wanted to be able to stand up NSX, you know, in my company lab, um, my work lab, and, you know, at, at the time, NSX was brand new, and they weren't letting anybody do anything with it unless it was supervised. Right. Um, and I basically had to beg, plead, borrow, and steal, um, just short of steal, um, even, the, even the, the bits just to install it mm -hmm. um, <laughs> back in the day. Um, and so, you know, if, if, you're, if, if you really, really, really want to get, you know, 
into this if you wanted to be able to deploy it yourself because quite frankly nsx is one of these transformational technologies that you know and i, I say this to people all the time until you've installed nsx 10 times you don't know how to install it properly um, it's not something that you can just go into your your business or go into somebody's data center or go in here and just do um, it's just not that you know it's just not that simple because I mean, I, I've been working with a client on doing an NSX implementation in production and we had four meetings um, before we ever even installed the NSX manager appliance just to right. get ready for it. Um, I mean, it's, it's one of these things where if you want to learn it, you know, talk to your VMware reps, bug your, your partners, bug whoever you can um, and get, gets they because people can give you trial keys if you're especially if you're a, a potential customer you know vmware's not gonna you know say no to somebody who might actually buy it hmm. um at least that's my kind of outside well, of outside perspective on it several um, um se several people in the audience uh lindy graham and aaron have all said that the vmug advantage for 200 dollars oh, yes. can get you uh, nsx enterprise now as well I've, i know i forgot about that that's a good point um, so yeah, that that's the other good way to get get most of your VMware licensing is a VMug advantage. Um, I'm because I'm a, because I'm a partner and I get keys as being a partner and I've got to be expert keys. I I'm not a VMug advantage subscriber, so that's why I didn't think of it. Um, but that is a good point. And Mike Burkhart is signed in using my name. Mike, you little. Yes. So, so absolutely. And uh, and Tim Davis is is one of the NSX SEs. So he's a uh, he is also a source. Oh, and yeah, he said there's 20% off on uh, VMUG Advantage right now. Yeah. So it, it always bug Tim Davis for um, everything. Barbe barbecuing tips <laughs> and, and NSX keys. Um, let's see here. So where was I? I don't know where I was. <laughs> I was probably off on a tangent about how NSX is great, but um, yeah, sorry yeah. about that. My bad. That's, a, that's okay. No, <laughs> that's good. So, you know, I, I as I'm as I'm kind of rebuilding my deployment out here, I'm gonna have you know the layered. I've got. I, I basically want have. I want to be able to take a VM that's sitting in my home lab, move it up to my cloud host, and never change the IP address. And and I'm I'm like just barely there to having that working. Um, I just have to get some routing stuff figured out and it's there. And, and that to me is, is super cool because now, you know, I, it, it's almost like built in DR um, where, you know, if something, if I really wanted to then just fully migrate the lab into the cloud, I wouldn't even have to change IP addresses. I'll just eventually change the gateway and I'm done. Um, and and that's that's one of the really cool things about NSX is once you build this stuff in software, and you connect you can connect stuff all over the place, and it just kind of works. Um, it's so powerful. Uh, let's see. Anything else that I wanted to show? Uh, oh well, yeah. I I do have Vernie out here as well. Um, so Vernie is sort of the, I guess it was kind of thought as be, of as being the companion app for NSX. Um, 
and in that you can once you stand it up in your environment it will sort of you know watch your network for a while and kind of show you you know what's going on and then the the real promise for it initially was you know it will help you build firewall rules and that is still true to an extent um it used to be i guess at some point you could um capture a bunch of you know flows in your environment and then if you could verify those flows to see that they were correct and then export them from verney and then import them into a firewall rule in nsx inside of your your vsphere environment um, you can still do that, but apparently you have to do it through some sort of a mid, mid uh, middleman of sorts, um, either using API calls or something to that effect. Um, I'm working on this with a client today just to try to figure out, you know, how best to do this so that they can, um, you know, get get their investment out of Verney and figure out, the, you know, what what all what all is the best way to kind of build these firewall rules without having to completely recreate the wheel? Cause you know, um, th there's kind of two, th <clears throat> you can build firewall rules directly in the firewall component of NSX, which, you know, is the distributed firewall, which is, you know, every single virtual NIC on your VMs has a firewall on it now because of installing NSX. Um, but the, the really recommended way to build your rules is through the service composer and letting um, NSX manager automatically apply rules based on your criteria that you set. Because if you're, if you're deploying this in a large scale environment, um, it's a lot easier to kind of build these policies in the composer and let the composer actually do the applying. Um, but of course, with this kind of stuff, you have to be a little bit careful because you know, you are actually applying a firewall to a, a virtual machine and interface, um, and you can shoot yourself in the foot. Um, the uh, <clears throat> the one oh, that's right, it's it's right here now. <clears throat> this used to be buried. This is an NSX 6.4, which is the latest one. This used to be buried inside of NSX Manager, but they've got it kind of pulled out here now. This is the this is a big big, big thing you need to pay, pay attention to when you first install NSX. They have this little guy called the exclusion list. Um, and that basically turns off the VNIC firewall on each VM that is a member of this list. Um, and if and if you don't have things in here like, oh, say vCenter um, or NSX manager, um, if you uh, were to come in here to the default firewall rule, and change the default rule from allow to deny, um, you could actually block yourself out of everything, <laughs> um, which which would not, you know. Have you done that? Which, no, I haven't, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I've heard it's a call to GSS. <laughs> and, wow, really? <laughs> yeah, and that is actually, um, like, it, when they first, in the first few releases of NSX, the, the default rule was set to deny. Um, and so, you know, people were starting to turn this thing on and just locking themselves out of their environments. And so, the, so, now, so now in all subsequent releases, the default rule is set to allow. Um, so they, you know, but then they, that's why they pulled this out of here to make sure that people know to, you know, add their critical machines into the exclusion list. Where I got bit with this in my first production deployment of NSX was actually on a uh, exchange, uh, Microsoft Exchange server. Um, we don't know exactly what happened, but it was randomly, 
uh, NSX was randomly blocking um, Microsoft Outlook clients from updating their mailbox from the server. And it was completely random, no rhyme or reason to any of it. The only thing that fixed it was adding Exchange to the exclusion list. Um, huh. And because it was a production environment for a big business, we, we couldn't just leave it broken and then let you know the real techie people at VMware get in there and figure out what went wrong. Right. Um, you know, so we had to basically just go with the workaround as the solution. Um, so that's one thing that I never found out what, what happened. <clears throat> but it's sort of a, it's a key piece of, of your NSX implementations, however you do it, if you're doing it in the cloud, if you're doing it on-premise. <clears throat> Adding the stuff to the exclusion list is huge. Um, uh, let's see. A um, couple of quick questions. Mm -hmm. um, I heard that Service Composer doesn't play well with a multi-site scenario. Is this still true? Um, <clears throat> that is getting a little bit out of my wheelhouse. Okay. So, so I don't know for certain for certain on that. I mean, if you're doing, I guess, if you're talking about, um, if you are like doing the cross vCenter. NSX connections, um, then it might, you know, like if you, if, if this NSX manager is talking to two separate vCenters, I'm not sure if that's what they mean, but, um, you know, it can probably, I, I would think as long as NSX manager can interact with both of them, and, and there's a specific way you have to set up NSX for multiple vCenters. Um, so it's, it's not something that's just available by default. Um, so you have to kind of, properly engineer and design that out. I mean, th this is this is one of the, the fights between NSX engineers, though, is there is a school of thought that says all rules should be built within the firewall window, and there's a school of thought that says all rules should be built using Service Composer. Um, and not to, you know, confuse things at all, but there's a, th a third way of doing firewall rules <laughs> directly inside of the Edge Services gateway. So... Um, you know, there's no shortage of firewalls when it comes to NSX. You can apply security in a multitude of ways. Um, and I, I've even worked with people where we deployed a net services gateway and using VLANs um, applied security to user endpoints. So the, uh, you know, the accounting department got a VLAN that connected to an edge services gateway. And, you know, it was it was security restricted as to what it could get into. Um, well, and then they just hair, they hair pinned all the traffic up to the edge service? Yeah. Oh, wow. And it, I mean, it was either that because they wanted to segment, they wanted to apply kind of micro segmentation to their users. Hmm. Um, and, and instead of doing it, you know, with a, hard, a pair of hardware firewalls, we, we did it with, you know, a, a pair of edge services gateways. Gotcha. Um, okay. And, 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 you know, and it actually worked out pretty well, I think. Um, I mean, because we, you know, everything, they were going, because once they were, go, they, it wasn't technically hairpinning because it wasn't ever going out of the VMs and coming back in. Once oh, okay. you get, All right. That's sort of the advantage of, of another advantage of NSX is once you're in the cluster, um, unless it has to go to another host to get a, to, to a machine, you know, everything happens, you know, at kernel speed. So, I mean, it's, it's all just kind of right there. So um, the, the, the 
the only cat really the only real caveat with that though is is the edge services gateways are not distributed throughout your cluster so the edge you know you you could you have to build the edge the edge gateways with uh high availability where it'll deploy a carbon copy of itself on another host and you know you can use um equal cost multi-path routing or ecmp if you wanted to have it kind of automatically balanced between the two of them and you know float otherwise you can just do a full-on you know ha where you know it'll use one and then if it detects one dies it'll flip over to the other one um just depends on how you want to you know balance your traffic out gotcha, gotcha. but versus you know the distributed logical routers and everything that's distributed it's actually spread through the cluster um by default and so it's you know it's naturally there that's sort of the achilles heel of the edge services gateways that it's not distributed mm -hmm. um but but again, you know, it's and, and it's it's funny to talk, you know, the, this in depth about NSX, and it's all sitting on stuff that you know I paid less than a few thousand dollars for, <laughs> right? You know, and in like if people want to get this in their businesses, I mean, it's you know it runs like 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 Cody again to, to call back to Cody. I mean, if he's he's always saying like you know if it runs this well in the lab, just imagine how well it'll run your environment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're running on an all flash array, I mean. You know, it's it, it 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 scales very well. Uh, let's see. All right, I'm gonna run back to this a little bit here. So. Oh, my last kind of pitch about OVH's services is they uh, the, this to me is the best part of running stuff in their cloud as opposed to other clouds. Um, you know, it's a, you have a dedicated host, it's yours. There's no meter running, and you can really build it the way you want, which is what I wanted when I started to get into this with them. Um, and you know, it also is crazy fast. Um, you know, this was, I was only supposed to be getting um, like a 250 megabyte upload when I ran this test, according to my specs from them. Um, so it's, you know, as, as, a, as a speed, as speed goes, they're, they're not short for bandwidth. Um, the, the biggest word of caution I have for anybody building labs, you know, even, even at home is you have to use extremely good security practices. You know, security starts at home. Um, build secure VPN tunnels, use two-factor authentication. I actually have, I started um, working with a service called SaaSPass. Um, it's, you know, one of the lesser known two-factor authentication companies out there, but it works well. Um, but I had, a, when I first built my first OVH host, I left an RDP port open to a Windows VM and the VM was hacked within 24 hours. Um, you know, and that was partly my fault for leaving the port open and having a really lame password. But you know, and they One, didn't get into any five six. What are you thinking? Yeah, not, not quite, <laughs> but almost. Um, but they, you know, they got into the VM and installed this like screen lock application, so I could still log in. So I think what actually happened, I think a bot found it and hacked it. I don't even think a real person got to the machine yet to do other stuff. Hmm. Um, I, th I think it was auto. Uh, some automated tool I found it and hacked it and so by the time so by the time I got there nothing really bad had happened other than me not being able to get into the screen so I just deleted the VM and you know went on my way but 
it's it is something to be aware of because when you start to you know extend your home lab thing into the actual cloud you just you know you got to be really careful with this stuff and you got to use good security practices so some self-plugging i uh started a blog series on building this out um at OVH and how I was doing it because it's it's not the simplest process to get a host from them and just plug it into your lab. Um, you can you know there there's some very specific steps you have to do. So I'm trying to detail that. And I, I started this series last November when I first got into this with them. And I'm now going to have to commit myself to finish it um, and get the whole thing out. It was pr when I first started doing it. I'm like man this could be like a 12 part series and I only got three of them out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so blogging is not my forte um, so last year I also started a podcast with the guy who's doing next week's B Brown Bag um, my good friend Tony Reeves Tony and I have been friends since oh gosh middle school and we uh, kind of both ended up in IT and um, Tony's extremely popular on Twitter and, and he's a great guy um, so we started a podcast last year. I called it the GigaCast. Um, and so if you, uh, you know, having trouble sleeping, just search for GigaCast on iTunes or oh. get the get, get the feed um, and give us a listen. Um, we uh, we try to we try to talk about you know the stuff that matters to us and and and, and the little the little guys because we're the little guys. You know, we don't work for major corporations. We support small. IT operations, and so we try to fill that gap of what's good stuff for small businesses that we can afford. Um, because, you know, as a VMware customer in the past and a partner now, you know, I, I've always felt that VMware had a hard time meeting the small business needs, and so that's the gap that we're trying to fill is helping small guys get what they need. Very cool. Um, and then, so that's that's pretty much what I had. I think we're almost out of time. Um, I don't uh, know if that's true, but two, two more, two more questions. Right. Um, one, one is, have you managed to lock yourself out of a cloud host? And if so, how easy it is, is it to recover? <laughs> yes, actually I have. Um, the, uh, with, with, this is sort of the saving grace of having on the OVH host side anyways, the saving grace of having, um, the management IP locked in so that you can't reuse it elsewhere actually allows you, they give you full um, IP KVM access to the, the host itself. So you just launch an IPMI session through Java or whatever on the browser, and you actually have console access to the host from OVH. So you can, you know, change the network gateways around and get yourself back in. Um, but nice. you know, one, at, at one point I did break things so badly, I just went into the OVH control panel. I just said reinstall. <laughs> wow, nice. Cool. And it, of course, formats everything and starts over. Right. Yeah. Um, another question. So this this might be a super long answer, but in 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 forty five seconds or less, how does micro segmentation differ from PVLANs? PVLANs, pri private VLANs? Yeah. Is that what that means? Oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not up on all the VLAN lingo. Um, micro-segmentation, classic micro-segmentation in NSX is you deploy an edge services gateway, and then underneath that, you deploy multiple, potentially multiple distributed logical routers, and off of each one of those sub-networks 
is a service. So you have the classic VMware web app and database tier, and each of those is in its own network, controlled by a distributed router, controlled by an edge services gateway. Yeah, um, and I don't so think it's, you can do it's much. It's yeah, much it's, more than just VLANs. It's routing. It's firewalls. It's it's a whole stack of services. Yeah, because you can't you can't do uh, you know port differentiation with it or anything. I mean, there's that's that's a that's a big answer. Um, yeah, that's, it, that's, it, that's, yeah. <laughs> that, that, you know you know what that'd be a great question for Tim Davis. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, okay, so I I think that's uh, just about everything. Oh, uh, real quick for everybody that's still listening live, um, Lindy Grady is doing a um, her, uh, their own uh, this is a shameless plug VMUG Home Lab series that that Lindy is hosting. Um, anybody with a home lab using AWS Advantage want to be interviewed? Um, if the answer to that is yes, I am posting Lindy's Gmail address in the chat channel. So, so reach out, and um, maybe we'll hear more about that in the future as well. Cool. Okay, so that let me hold on. Let me double check, make sure I didn't miss any questions. Uh, everybody's everybody's talking about the the VMUG Advantage NSX licenses. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes. a, it's a great venue. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was surprised when they when they when they tied NSX to it um, last year. I was like, wow, that's that's really nice. Yeah. All right, thanks, Micros. Okay, that, that good. Lots lots of lots of comments saying thank you very much. Awesome job. A um, lot, lot of NSX questions. You should do. We should do another one just on you you talking about NSX. Uh, I I, w I would love I would love that. Cool. All right. Well, we'll we'll yeah. get that we'll get that set up on on the back end as well then too. Cool. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. We, we are good. All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot, Chris. And again, thanks to Cody D'Arklin for getting this kicked off. And, uh, <laughs> I'm totally every, everybody listen Everybody listen to Tony next week. He's going to go crazy on vSAN. So. Oh, fun. Actually, I'm, I'm going to – I should – am I going to be able to host that one? I think I will be hosting that one. Good. I, I need to learn more about vSAN myself. Yeah, he's, he's, Tony is the vSAN king. So he, I've got NSX covered. He's got vSAN covered together. We hope we own the whole stack. So. With your powers combined, you form yes. you make Captain Planet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. Britton, th thank you very much uh, for, for taking the time out to do this time. We really appreciate it. It was awesome. Thanks, Chris. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night.